Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Here we go. Another Christmas and New Year's in the books. Done. How was everybody's New Year's Eve? Um, like so many, we stayed home. I was talking to a bunch of different people about their plans, and it seems the biggest issue and the number one reason why so many don't go out on New Year's Eve is they just can't get home. Right. There's just no Ubers, and when they are out, they cost like three times the normal amount. Surge pricing. Which I'm fine with. Hey, listen, make hay while you can. Yep. You know. It's, uh, if people want to pay, they're going to pay. But it's far easier just to go to the liquor store, get some booze, go home, order in some food and call it a night. And, uh, and that's certainly what we did. Well, the prices of everything go up and, and it is a big night and a lot of people celebrate. And for those that do, they, they pay the price to do that. And, and that's fine. That's their choice for those who don't. And yes, that's always been the problem is, is, you know, finding the safe ride home. I'm glad that people are making that decision rather than saying, well, we'll have a few drinks and take a chance and yeah. bomb at home at 1230. Yeah. Um, you know, ruin everyone's new year perhaps. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the smart decision to make. I just found the options when you're sitting at home have dwindled considerably from what I remember. I, I don't know. What the, I, I don't know what the entertainment for the ball drop was when mm. I was a kid, but it felt like this was just a, a D list of, uh, of entertainment options. And there's only two, I guess. There's the, the New Year's Rock and Eve, the mm-hmm. Dick Clark thing, which is now Ryan Seacrest. And then there was like a Nashville one. CNN has well. theirs. Too, oh, right. That, the, drunk, and- the drunk fest. Well, yeah, I, this is funny because we, um, we hung in there. We actually, we had a couple of friends over in the afternoon. That's a thing too that we thought, okay, instead of being together into the evening, mm-hmm. let's gather in the afternoon, have a couple of beers or whatever. We played the switch golf. Yep. Uh, and then they went on their way home for their dinner and, uh, and we got our dinner organized. The problem is with a little bit of day drinking, by the time you're getting around to dinner, you're starting to fade just a hint. And I remember looking at the clock and thinking, oh, it's only 7 o'clock. Right. I'm never making it to midnight. Anyhow, so uh, we stayed on our feet playing switch golf. Do you have a switch? Uh, the kids do, yes. Yeah, yeah, the golf is so much fun. Anyhow, um, we uh, we hung in there. And so we were flipping through the channels, and I had this argument with uh, Maria or anybody who's in the room listening to me. Uh, ramble on at that point about whether all of this whole New Year's Eve, the Dick Clark rocking thing with Ryan Seacrest is even actually live. I don't think it is. Like, I, I don't think these artists are going to New York City to perform. Like, when we turned it on, it was like some 90s rap guy. I forget. Hello, Cool J. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, is he really in New York City for one old song? I have a feeling a lot of this is all pre-produced on a sound stage somewhere. Really? It, yeah, I don't think it's real. No, I think they're live. I think they're live in Times Square, and I think that's why you're getting LL Cool J oh, maybe. and not you know, uh, someone more current. Now, they're uh, the L.A. side of it, because that's what they're trying to do now. Mm. Well, well, first of all, uh, we started it right at whenever 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, whenever it first came on. Mm. Um, and so, like, the first hour was basically dedicated, dedicated to Puerto Rico, because they hit 
first. Okay. Right? Yeah. They're an hour ahead. And, uh, and so because of that, they just, they went to some Spanish stuff. And I'm like, this is absolutely boring. What a, what a, what a horrible first impression for most people who are watching across the rest of the North America. Well, and in this country, we have nothing to, uh, put our head up high about because we used to have it on city TV, a downtown Toronto Nathan Phillips Square celebration every year. And CHCH TV in Hamilton used to do their thing from like Niagara Falls. They just pipe in the New Year's Eve rock and Eve out of New York now. We I don't know. even do anything. Way to go, CRTC and television <laughs> in this country. Well, they I, and, and they do still do the Nathan Phillips Square thing, just not on. It's not televised. No, because that would cost money. <laughs> so and why it's a production? Remember, they used to every year. Gord Martineau would host right. it. Right. And they'd have you know, all these unknown uh, much music VJs yes. up there introducing horrible Toronto bad bands. I'm pretty sure Sean Desmond's was still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there's no Canadian. Ottawa should be producing something on Nothing. the hill, you would think. Yeah. But uh, they're too busy screaming and protesting about everything <laughs> possible in this country. <laughs> they, could, they couldn't possibly split up the protests no. No. to do a, a happy New Year. You you can't demand I have fun on New Year's. <laughs> I want my freedom. <laughs> I'm morons. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I found it in- incredibly boring. Just, mm. just, and you know, even the Seacrest thing. Like three minutes before New Year's, they went to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and the CNN one, like I did, turn over for a second. I don't know what Andy Cohen does outside of New Year's Eve drinking. He's got that. Uh, he's got a talk show. Does he really? Yeah, um, I forget what it's called. Does he drink every hour on that too? His his show is kind of a knockoff of the Graham Norton thing. Okay, he's got guests kind of having sips and talking about yeah. stuff, and he he's got a, gets a pretty good list of celebrities. Because uh, like any DD <laughs> or situation that I've ever been in, watching other people drink is really boring. <laughs> and and CNN, which has had issues with this in the past, right? That you know they just get loaded. Anderson and Andy, they, they've had one where I don't even think you finished. I don't think you made it till midnight. Oh, really? And uh, and it caused a bit of a stir. And so the fact that they still allow this, I guess it's be, it's the train wreck factor. Like they people tune in yeah. just to see how bad it gets. I. I am surprised that uh, Anderson Cooper does this because there's been forever this belief in journalism that if you're a news reporter, you have to always be very straight-laced and serious. And he's a guy who, I mean, I applaud him for the stuff he's done in his career, going off to all sorts of war zones oh, yeah. and doing all. It, I do find it interesting that he allows himself to be on camera like that, and even that CNN allows it because yeah. you think they would want him to still carry some sort of respect level. Well, again, again, if it gets if it gets ratings, oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's yeah. king. News is not news anymore; it's just entertainment. Right. So, anyhow, we got through it. We survived it. I always love New Year's Day. There's just this big sigh of relief. Thank God it's over. Yeah, I'm I'm holidayed out. Oh, yeah. We we had a New Year's a family New Year's thing yesterday in the afternoon, which I will say I do like the afternoon events. Yeah, the lunch is great. We we had a lunch. We were done. We got home. We were packed in by five o'clock, and I'm yeah. like, this is perfect. Oh, any, you know what? It's not just even the lunch on New Year's Day. Any event. 
midday is perfect. <laughs> Going out on a Saturday afternoon to have a couple of beers and then some an early dinner and home. Like if you got another couple you want to see, yeah. go out in the afternoon, get a quick dinner in you, get home. <laughs> the best. So uh, I thought you might appreciate this, Lucky, for a fella who enjoys to gamble a bit. Mm, a, been known to. A, a, a guy was uh, playing poker at a casino, and uh, they say he suffered the worst beatdown that you'll ever see. Uh-oh. Now you'll have to explain this to me because I have no ideas. He had four aces, which I'm assuming is really good. Very good. Lost to a royal flush. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, uh, it's about the second best hand. Hmm. Um, or third best. Straight flush, royal flush would be better. But my goodness, I mean, if you got four aces and someone's betting into you, you have to assume that they're trying to bluff you. And what what cards do you need to hold to have a royal flush? That would be uh, from 10 up. So ace, king, jack, oh. uh, queen, 10, all in the same suit. You ever play Bloody Knuckles? <laughs> That's a good game. <laughs> and 52 pickup. Go fish. Right. Yeah. These are the games I can do. Uh, anyhow, he ended up winning big anyways because he's at some uh, table at this casino called, uh, well, he's playing something called Bad Beat Jackbox. Gotcha. Yeah. Where everyone at the table wins money. He was sitting at over 900 grand when it happened and he got 40% of that. So over 350,000 grand. The guy with the Royal Flush got 30% or 270,000. Why did the guy with the Royal Flush get less than him? Uh, well, because he already won the pot. Oh, okay. Right? So it, what, what they do, basically, it, you know, it's called a bad beat jackpot is what it is. So, oh, okay. So everyone kind of, what the way the casinos make money in poker games is they take a rake or they take a percentage of the pot. Mm-hmm. That, that's one. Uh, and uh, what, what they would do is everyone kind of chips in an extra, let's say, a buck. And that goes into this bad beat jackpot. So when something like this happens, there, there's parameters to it. But what really should be four aces should be a winning hand 99.9% of the time. Uh, and so when that doesn't happen and they get beat, there's a, there's a jackpot that they trigger. So at least the guy doesn't get home, go home fleeced. He gets something out of it. So what's some of the etiquette? In a casino, because much like on a golf course, it is said if you get a hole in one, you're supposed to buy a round. Right. Like if you win massive, you're the guy with the royal flush, or you do something, be it at craps or poker, you're playing a table game, um, blackjack. Are you supposed to, if something happens, you win a boatload of money, are you supposed to buy rounds for the table? No, 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 no. Well, I mean, for the years, the booze was free anyway, right? That's true, yeah. So it didn't really matter. I mean, other than, I think, blackjack, there's an etiquette to kind of tip the dealer. Yeah, of course. uh, Throw an extra coin their way, a chip. Uh, because they've given you that blackjack or what they like to do sometimes is you play for the dealer. So you mm-hmm. put a, a chip at the top of your hand and that one's considered the dealer's hand. So they get a chance to, to double up their own money, their tip, uh, and you're playing for them. I got so scarred the first time I went to a casino down, down in Niagara Falls. We went New Year's Eve. This is back when we used to go out and do things. Right. And, I mean, after midnight, we got in the car and drove to Niagara Falls and stayed at the casino all night. And we got there at like, I don't know, 1.30 or something in the morning. And the lineup was still way out the door to get in. And I remember having like maybe 50 bucks in my pocket. I had never stepped foot in a casino. I knew nothing of it. 
I circled and circled because I had a little vague understanding of how to play blackjack because I had gone to some of those. Remember when they used to have those uh, charity tables? Yes, the which, charity casinos. Which was complete BS. Right. Anyhow, I had been to a couple of those in Brampton and played like dollar hands here and there, whatever it was. So I walk around looking for a spot, looking for a spot, looking for a spot at a blackjack table. And finally I sit down and I had circled the casino probably for a good hour. I literally didn't have my bum in the seat before I was out my 50 bucks. Yeah. Like, it was gone in a second, and I just said, what is the point? Well, and, and here's the thing. I haven't stepped foot in a casino in years. Um, you know, the pandemic was part of it. But mm. the, the other side of it is is that they've changed the game so that it's no longer uh, necessarily just about fun. Mm. Like, you can't take your 50 bucks to the Pickering Casino and and sit on it for no. a while. The, because $50 is now the minimum bet. Is it really? At a lot of the casinos. Yeah, I think when we went, it was like 25 bucks a well, hand. You can, but you can always find, like, I remember we used to go up to, uh, like, Great Blue Heron up. It's like Scugog. Mm. And they'd have, like, a $2 table. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't want to play at that table because you're, you're playing with a lot of beginners. But at least they had that option. Or they mm. had a $5 table, right? So if you want to pay $25 a hand, you can still do that. But the minimum is down to 5 So Someone- you go to a Sorry, you go to a casino with a $50 minimum table. That used, that used to be almost like the high rollers room at one point. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't know if this is true, but I had heard this before. Much like Ubers on New Year's Eve with the, the price gouging, uh, casinos on the weekends in the evenings, everything goes up. But you can still find like a $10 table on a Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. if you want. Yeah. Because it's quiet. But you got a problem. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> at that point. That's if right. you're there at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, yeah. there are bigger issues. Yeah, there's something, and I know everybody loves the lights and the sound. I find I find it utterly depressing. I think there's something very sad oh, about for just sure. seeing somebody sitting there dumping dough into a machine. But that's and yes, I agree with you because I I have had that same feeling. Depending on where you are, mm. when you're in Vegas and people are there for the weekend, mm. flying in, flying out, putting ten, twenty here or there, yeah. it's fun. And and in that environment. It's fun. When you go, when you're there at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday, it's work. Because <laughs> the people there are working. Yeah. Right? They're working to try and better their paycheck or whatever the hell they're spending on it. Mm. It's not they're there and having fun and just tipping back a couple and throwing a bet here or there. And that's why I think, you know, for me, the fun's been taken out of the game. Because on a Saturday night where you go for fun, mm. it's now become a grind because... If I'm throwing $150 a hand out there, it's, it's, you know, there's, it's tense. It's not fun anymore. Yeah. I have family who are in Pickering. They were, they were at the casino New Year's Eve and they just love to gamble. They gamble, gamble. And I, even, even when we went to Vegas, I, I find it all just, you know, I'd, I'd rather talk to the, uh, to the women handing out the cards in the corner. Yeah. I got a better, a better odds there. <laughs> I know I'm getting fleeced, but I'm getting something out of it. And how heartbreaking is this? A guy missed the jackpot on a on a lottery ticket by one number. Oh, he matched man. four of five, only took home two hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, that well, that is the insane part. Yeah, like I think last year I hit five of seven numbers, mm. and and like or four and all in a row, mm. right? And you and you look at it going. 
Wow. Mm. Like two numbers off of millions and instead, you know, you don't even have to go downtown to cash it. (laughs) 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 They can, they can pay you out in their tip jar in front. You think, man, that's, that's really sad. That many numbers and all you get is rice-a-roni, the San Francisco (laughs) treat. This is the beginning of the new year, and when you start wearing in your new Christmas stuff, I got this hoodie for Christmas. I thought I saw it look like something new on you. It's not all mustard-stained yet. No. It's got, it looks quite cozy. It, it is. I love a hoodie. Right. I declared to my family this Christmas. Well, and we've also reached the stage where we enjoy the zip-up hoodie. Oh, yeah. Like the well. full zip hoodie, because... I mean, we can wrench a shoulder out trying to get into the other one. Kidding me? Between the zip-up hoodie right. and my shoehorn, that's right. I just slide into my clothes now. That, and we've always got some sort of glasses on or on our head, mm-hmm. and so you have to remove those to put the hoodie on. These are the issues that happen it's not easy. when you get a little older. It's not easy. And I declared to my family, I said, all I want this Christmas is V-neck black and white T-shirts okay, and hoodies. And they did they come and through? They came through. Yes, for the most part. That's a, that's a Costco run right there. Oh, it's easy peasy. Look, I don't need. I, I, I actually brought up the idea. Although we don't, I don't think we spent as much money on gifts this year. As your kids age, you know, it just becomes this thing where they send you a list of what they want and right. you just go to Amazon and hit, there's no real feeling or heart or love in it and they mm. kind of know exactly what they're opening. There's, Really no surprise. And, you know, that whole element is gone. So I started saying, you know, maybe we should just pool our money and we'll take a vacation. Yeah. Well, uh, many have done that. Yeah. And I, I, I've I, seen on social media that they've done that and it's pissed me off because I really am <laughs> living vicariously through them and I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, for our kids, the list has certainly gotten shorter, but the things on it get more expensive. Right. Right. Like, smaller yeah. things worth a lot more. Yeah, no, that's true. Anyhow, we're, uh, I keep bringing up suggestions and ideas, and nobody's listening. Right. I actually noticed, and I've mentioned this to my family before, but it's becoming more obvious, and maybe they're just doing it because I brought it up. I notice that when we're all together, this is just the immediate family, oh, Maria and me and the boys and their girlfriends, when we're all kind of together for an extended period of time, I get completely ignored. <laughs> not only not only ignored, I can be two minutes less. I can be thirty seconds into saying something. So I've I've ventured into a comment, right? And somewhere they just cut me off. Mm. No, I know how. So to blatantly go. ignored. Well, yeah, and I know having a normal back-and-forth conversation, you sometimes will walk over one another and cut somebody off. Yeah. But I'll be like, and so the other day I was outside, and all of a sudden a bus hit, and I'll get just a bus, and someone will go, what are we having for dinner? <laughs> I'm like, hello? <laughs> You're living in the sixth sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a wallet to these people now. Uh, I've said this many, many times. I believe uh, before I get to a certain age, uh, all of medical problems will be solved. And a study found that if you have high blood pressure, there's a good chance your spouse does as well. Oh. And I think we just bring that on each other right. because we upset one another so much. <laughs> a new blood test can predict, it can predict which one of your organs is most likely to fail first. Oh, my. 
Do I really want to know? I was going to say, <laughs> I guess at a point where you could make some changes. Mm. And uh, researchers have figured out how to turn human cells into tiny robots. They say it can transform how we treat diseases. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah, but we won't trust it. Oh, science doesn't know anything. <laughs> Give a dude a boner pill, he'll swallow a jar of it. <laughs> mm. We have answered the most important question. Why do some farts smell and some don't? And it's just basically the food you eat and how much sulfur gets turned into hydrogen sulfide. Okay. Um, but also they did some research as to why some farts feel hot. <laughs> and, of course, spicy food <laughs> has a chemical called capsin, capsaicin. Okay. When you eat a lot of it. Your body can't break it all down, so it goes in spicy and comes out spicy as Whoa. well. Whoa. Yeah, we've all heard that. <laughs> I'll take the hot wings in and out. Hot and stinky. Mm. This year should be a big year for movies. Certainly, there was some huge hits in the last year to bring, uh, bring people back into the theaters. And uh, the problem here is even though there's big movies coming out, they're all sequels and one prequel. Like there's, mm. like there's Deadpool 3 and right. Beetlejuice 2 and Dune Part 2 and Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Can we, are we not done with the Ghostbusters? Yeah, I would have thought so. I thought, that, didn't they? I guess the last one did okay. With uh, Paul Rudd, it was all right. Yeah. It was all right. But the one before that, they tried the, the female kind of comedy right. one. That Got one bombed. Bombed. Venom 3, Despicable Me 4, Inside Out 2. That's what we do now. We just go with what works. Yeah. Or what seems to have been working. Lord of the Rings, The War of Roaring. <laughs> it's an animated prequel, anyhow. Gladiator 2. I saw a film called Gladiator once. Think it through. A Quiet Place, Day 1. Right. <laughs> It's a classic. <laughs> and whatever A Quiet Place Day One is. Have you ever heard of a the original A Quiet Place? Yeah, I heard about A Quiet Place. There's a, there's it's kind of a spooky one, isn't it? Maybe. There was The, the Good Place, a TV show. Oh, right, yeah. Well, speaking of movies, Jodie Foster says superhero movies are a phase that has lasted too long, and I don't disagree she says, I've seen so many different phases. Hopefully people will uh, be sick of it soon. She says the good ones like Iron Man, Black Panther, The Matrix. She says, I marvel at those movies, and I'm swept up in the entertainment of it. But that's not why I became an actor, and those movies don't change my life. Hopefully there will be room for everything else. Yeah, um, I was reading Andrew McCarthy's book. He, of course, of Pretty in Pink and a part of the Brat Pack, and he was in St. Elmo's Fire. and Now a big director, directs a lot of television, but... Um, he talked about how up until the 80s, movies were only made for adults. That's really when you saw, like, so many of these uh, classic films from the 50s, 60s, and into the early 70s. It wasn't until the blockbuster of, like, Jaws mm. and Star Wars arrived that they realized, oh, man, the youth, that's a great market to tap into. Yes. And then, of course, the 80s were just flooded with the John Hughes of the world and, and all the teen rom-coms. Well, I remember at one point there were big battles because they had to try and get movies rated, 
younger, mm-hmm. right? Because they were getting tagged with this adult accompaniment or, you know, R-rated. Uh, there was like 17 ratings on it, too. And, yeah. and they were trying to get them down younger so that they could get more youth dollars in to see them. I remember being under 18. I was probably like 13 or 14 and buying a ticket for whatever movie. And then sneaking into the restricted movie and being so afraid of getting caught. And then realizing about 15 minutes into this movie, there's things here I shouldn't be seeing. Right. It's funny. Now you'll be in that movie. You have a six-year-old next to you. Yeah. (laughs) Because the parents don't care as much. They're like, all right, I want to see it, so I'm bringing them along. Yeah. Here's something you probably didn't know about the original Full House. The cast at one point needed FBI protection, and it was all Uncle, Uncle Jesse's fault. Oh, yeah, Samos? Yeah, some psycho showed up outside the studio where the show was being filmed saying he was going to kill Stamos. Someone called security, but the guy was gone before the uh, security showed up. So John actually had FBI agents following him around 24 hours a day. Stamo says that uh, just before they went out for their intros at the beginning of the filming of an episode, Bob Saget would lean over and say to him, can I have your parking spot? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, all the other cast members, the young girls, also said they had their attention of uh, their share of attention from creepy guys. Guys asking for specific photos of her as a child or of some of them as children and death threats from men in prison. Where Full House ran from '87 to '95. You know, back to the uh, the Jodie Foster, her comments on these uh, superhero movies, that kind of thing. The, the only problem is that you know I could take them or leave them. I haven't watched many of them, mm. uh, if if at all. Um, but <laughs> the people who complain about them are the actors who aren't in them. You know, you don't hear a lot of complaints other than the makeup stuff mm. that they have to go through to make them. But, you know, when you're signing on and you know you're getting three or four movies sure. and work for the next decade and millions of dollars to come with it, you don't hear a lot of complaining about it. Yeah, and it also depends on level of actor. Look, I, I'm more than willing to listen to what Jodie Foster has to say. She's a, an Oscar-winning director and actress and has done everything from the time she was very young. She's probably in her 60s now, and sure, she's probably not getting the calls the problem, is, the problem is great story movies that she likes to be in mm-hmm. just aren't being made anymore. Yeah, but, but there's a, then then the you know the color purple they just like re-released mm-hmm. that right and and, uh, and did an updated version of that. Mm. But I mean, is that what you want to go watch on New Year's Day? Well, <laughs> is that, is that, is that, over the holidays, let's go watch The Color Purple. Not a lot of parts in The Color Purple for Jodie Foster, no, either. this is true. Not a lot of room there. Uh, Eddie Murphy tells a terrific story that when Richard Pryor died, he left a hole in Eddie's wallet to the tune of $100,000. Wow. Back in 85, Eddie, if you remember, released a, an album of music called How It Could Be. And I saw Eddie Murphy at Maple Leaf Gardens just after that song, My Girl Parties All the Time, whatever it was called. It hit like number one, but it was such a piece of crap. Like it was just a terrible song. And I was so afraid going to see him at Maple Leaf Gardens that at some point he was going to sing it. But thankfully he didn't. He was doing them. I think he was touring Raw at the time. Wow. I think that's the show I saw. I remember the blue leather for sure. Anyhow, uh, so... Eddie told Richard Pryor 
they're just planning on releasing this music album. Richard said, there's absolutely no way you're going to make an entire album with just music and no comedy. Even bet Eddie 100K that it wouldn't happen. So when Eddie released the album, he wrote on the liner notes, to Richard Pryor, my idol with whom I have a $100,000 bet, no mother effer, I didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Pryor died in 05, never paid up. I think this is a, a terrific idea. A judge uh, says he got tired of sending young people to prison because they just learned to become harder criminals. So he created an alternative, transferring, uh, transforming an old juvenile detention center into a vocational training facility, culinary academy and school. Only for adolescent offenders. Now, critics are questioning the sustainability, but in Canada... It's about 340 bucks a day to keep a uh, prisoner locked up. Wow. So add that up. And that's a lot of dough. And this judge says um, it, uh, it's cheaper to do things this way. This type of thing has supposedly been in progress for about 20 years now. But it seems to make sense to me. It depends on the crime, obviously. Mm -hmm. Of you know? course, yeah. I mean, if some 14-year-old murders somebody, that's I don't want them learning how to use knives in a culinary school. Right. Yeah. But if there's some drug how offenses... To cook, and how to cook for the rest of the group. Yeah. <laughs> the gang, but if when they been, get back out to them. If they've been involved in B&Es and such. Yeah. I mean, they got to do the time anyhow. Mm. You might as well teach them something so that when they get out, maybe they can go in the right direction. Yeah, it's... Uh, and I, it, it's probably, I'm sure, better now. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of programs and places to help deal with young offenders and, and getting, you know, ahead and uh, getting on the right foot when they get out. And I'm sure there was just a time they threw them in the, the hole and tossed away the key. Well, I, I think the flip side to that now is that the system is so backed up or, or you know, doesn't have the money mm. that they just flip them back out, mm -hmm. right, right. <laughs> released. Well, and, uh, yeah, and that's where true. we've seen way too many issues. Yeah, no, that's very true. Anyhow, I think uh, it's good to see a judge trying to come up with something something different. I mean, it's got to be tough because you just see so many different situations. Certainly, if if some kid comes in and he's, you know, just uh, performed a horrific crime of some sort, then, yeah, screw him. But there's there's just so many backstories to kids and families. Yeah. And I, I would think even more frustrating is that you see the same people over and over again. Yeah. And, and then you know, dude, are you not getting the message here? How many last chances can you get? What do you get for three hundred and forty bucks a day? That sounds like a good deal. Yeah, three squares a bed. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't last one day. Rock mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky, ninety four nine The Rock.